Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined, as always, by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How's your Monday? Fantastic, Dennis. I'm loving life. It's all it's all wonderful. How how is life out there? Wait, have you have you moved? I always I ask this every week, but you never know. Wait, I actually knew you were in North Carolina, in the on the Dennis Tracker. 3000. You know, That's you right. should go up. You, you really should get Drake's brew house going and have just like a weekly post of just like one thing. Here's where I am. Here's a picture. I, I do have my old, um, travel blog that I ran while, uh, Sarah and I went to Ireland. Oh, there you go. Um, and I've been slowly when I'm in the mood for it, updating it, uh, switching up the technology it was wordpress at the time because i wanted sarah to be able to edit it too hmm. but i've switched it That's over to not sarah but yeah the, but, that it's wordpress yeah it's wordpress clarify I, that I not, not, sarah's fine but yeah yeah i switched it all over to um an app called jekyll mm-hmm. which if you're not familiar with it it's basically just a ruby app that converts markdown into static html um so you can host it. You actually don't even need a full web server like PHP stuff to run it. Mm-hmm. Um, though I put it on my same server with everything else that does have PHP. Um, but I've run those sites on Amazon S3, which all this is super interesting to our listeners. <laughs> um, which is just like a just like a file hosting site. It's not even really a website, but you can use it to make static websites like that. Anyway, um, yeah, it's not up to date. Like, I just made a post. It took me, like, a whole weekend just to convert all the WordPress stuff um, to that. And then I spent a few hours, maybe not even a few hours, but, like, refining the process and making up a post of um, that motorhome trip I took back last spring. Oh, right, yeah, across the country? Yeah, from Chicago to Salt Lake City. Um, Because I have, you know, I take pictures with my phone everywhere I go, and some of those make it on Instagram, not very many, Um, or I post on Discord or, like, send to my family. But, uh, yeah, I do want to have that that stuff on a blog just so that I can give people a central place to go look. Yeah, just like a little, like, hey, this week I'm in here, check out this, this hiking trail or something like that, you know. Right, right. So, so moving that along, you were in North Carolina, still there? Nope. Uh, I moved yesterday. Um, I was in North Carolina when we recorded last week. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. I was on, yeah, I was in Green, Green Mountain, uh, which is central, almost western part of North Carolina, and then... Uh, second half of the week, I was back in uh, the town, which apparently is pronounced Lake Gaston. Okay. Uh, it's spelled like the guy from Beauty and the Beast, Gaston, which is how I was saying it until yeah. I got there this last time. And the guy was like, welcome to Lake Gaston. I'm like, oh, of course. Of course, it's not pronounced the French way. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Saturday, I made the drive down to Raleigh to see our buddy Aaron. Um, got to meet his wife. I wasn't able to make it out for their wedding. So oh, right. Yeah. That was nice. We hung out and 
had drinks and had Indian food and um have you seen oh this would be a better anecdote if I knew what this is called there's some reality show that's like fantasy magic Isn't stuff that on Disney Plus I think right yes yeah quest yes. or some kind of thing like that the quest or something yeah. yeah Aaron's wife was watching it and so I saw just a few minutes of it it's like they take these high school kids and they've got to do some kind of challenge or something. Yeah, Sydney was interested in it. I think I, had, I hadn't seen it, but it sounded interesting. Before, I'd, like, I'd sort of forgotten about it until just now describing the evening, and I'm like, oh, I'll bet Michael or someone in his house would be interested in that. Yeah, it, it uh, seems like something I would have loved when I was a high school kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's for high school kids and that kind of a thing. So, uh, right. But I, I saw the trailer, and I was like, oh, yeah, I mean... I don't know how interesting that is going to be for me, but I, that sounds like what I always wanted as that kind of a thing. I'd love to have been on that show as a 16-year-old. Right. Did you um, did you ever watch, what was it called? Legends of the Forbidden Temple? Hmm. Something like that. Uh, it, was, it was a game show on Nickelodeon. Oh, yes, I know what I'm talking about. Like they had teammates, like two on yeah, two. Yeah, they'd have like, like a... A, a yellow team, a red team, a blue team, and they all have to like climb this mountain and do yeah. these these little mini games. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was okay. Uh, right. Is right. is it like that, or is it better than that? I don't know. I only saw a few minutes of it, and the kids like going into this sort of wizards, um, uh, like lab. Yeah, What's the word for that, whatever you call the. The place where a wizard has like their books and ingredients and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it was like right in the middle of the episode. I had no idea what was going on. Um, I, but it seems I, I may, I may, maybe kind of cool. Like probably not my thing. But, I may check that yeah. first episode out because, I mean, reality shows are hit or miss, obviously. But um, right. the. Um, oh, uh, I really like some of them. I really like like I used to love Survivor, and I, I mean that's my, I've always long time said that's my guilty pleasure. Um, I like Survivor, and I liked Amer- uh, Amazing Race. Uh, I really I really enjoyed both those shows a whole lot. I was, now I was never sure. into the, like the Big Brother type stuff, um, right? But uh, you know things that that had competition between people, and and then they had to you know one gets whittled down until one like winner or something like that is something I generally like. But I, I'm not a um, I guess it's all popularity contests when you're voting, but anyway, yeah, there's always some amount of. Have, have we talked about the show alone on the podcast? Have, no, I've not. Um, I my family went through. Yeah, my family went through a pretty big phase of watching that show. Um, have you heard of it? Do you know what I I'm talking know. about? Um, it's. I want to say Discovery or maybe Travel Channel. Um, they take people, a number of contestants, and most of the seasons are on Vancouver Island, right? Just on the on the west coast of Canada. Yeah. Um, and they drop them off several miles apart, and they have to just survive. They survive, and they have a bunch of cameras. They have, like, head helmet cams, body cams, and tripods, 
and stuff because they have to think I've seen record that. record footage all the time. Is there two of them? What do you mean two? Of Is them? it like you say they drop them off on an island or something? It's like just two people or lots of people. They, it's well, it's lots of people, but they're spread out. Oh, okay. So they don't interact. They did do one season where everybody had a partner, but they dropped the one partner off like a number of miles, like a reasonable number of miles, but they still, like one person's setting up camp while the other person has to travel to where they are with some, you know, like a compass and a map or something. Yeah. And so... What's interesting about the show, like, it still has that reality TV thing where you know that a team of editors sat and poured through hundreds of hours of footage to put together these episodes. And you can, they're a little telegraphy eventually when you're like, oh, here's somebody we haven't seen. And because you'll go a couple weeks without seeing people because the the episodes are, are kind of character focused. Yeah. And you'll say, like, oh, half the episode has been about this guy. He's probably leaving. So the way it works is you go and you have to survive, and you have a very short list of things you can bring. It's like there are a list of ten things, and you can pick two of them. And there's some things everybody gets, like a bag, tarps, clothes, you know, uh, some of those kind of things. But they don't have weapons. Uh, they, They have, you know, like knives and hatchets and stuff but i think some of those are on the list of like if you bring this there's something else that you can't bring Mm, yeah um and then everybody has an emergency like radio thing they can use to what they say tap out and that's when they and it's and it's last person standing wins it's like half a million dollars yeah um and it's not winter, although sometimes it is like fall getting toward winter. Um, they've done like six or seven seasons, so they all, you know, they try to change the, the paradigm a little bit to keep it interesting. Um, but what's interesting about it to me is that everybody has a balance for the most part. Like there are people in between. There's one guy who was, you know, super gung-ho and then very first day saw... Um, bear sign like droppings and and stuff of bears and then he just fixated on it like he had the idea of bears stuck in his head and he couldn't even function like he tapped out the first day and i'm like yeah i can sort of see how that might happen and they get a lot of people who are like you know this guy and his wife live off grid and they have no electricity or this guy frequently goes camping by himself and you know teaches a class on bushcraft and stuff like that. Um, So they'll have, like, varying levels of, um, like, proficiency and technical competency. But what's fascinating about it to me is that they'll go through... Do they give them ratings? Do they give them, like, he's a 14 in survival or something like that? No, but you can kind of tell based on what people do. And so early on, like, you're judging people's, like, practical choices. Right. There's like this guy wants to stave off boredom. And so he's got a workout routine. And I'm like, no way. This guy is this guy is definitely not making it because everybody gets to the end like malnourished. Right. Because they can only get 
like fish and stuff to eat. One, you know, once in a while, somebody like they brought a bow and they managed to get a deer or something like that. But more often than not, people end up tapping out because they run out of food. Or they do like health checks, right? They, like once a week or something, like a doctor comes and checks them. And if they get to a certain point, they'll pull them, right? If somebody is, you know, somebody's health is in danger. Yeah, right. And they're still not tapping out. Um, but so, so at first you're like, oh, this guy's building a really nice shelter or this guy's, he's made it too big. It's not going to think, you know, he's not going to deal with the smoke or this guy's in a place where a lot of water is going to come through and you start to get a sense of like, you're kind of armchair quarterbacking their, uh, their survival choices. Right. And then, then the other part that's almost more interesting to me are the people who are so proficient at that that they they solve everything like they have really good fishnet setups and maybe they get a deer and they've got all the meat smoked and they've got a really you know solid like log cabin shelter that they built and then they end up tapping because they're bored they can't <laughs> handle the the psychological like they're recording videos right so they'll sit and talk to the cameras right but you start to see people like most people can't handle that level of isolation. That's why they call it alone. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, part of it is physically surviving. The other part of it is psychologically surviving. All um, right, yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I, I, I've, I've seen a couple shows like that that I thought, I mean, survi- just surviving. A problem with some of these shows is just surviving is typically boring. Like, they don't, it doesn't always mm-hmm. make for a lot of... There was a show on... It was called Naked and Afraid. I've heard of that one. Yeah, and yep. and there was nothing wrong with it. it. It had some good some good episodes and such, but a lot of times it really just you could tell that they're trying their best to find out something interesting. Like these people in the first right. couple of days go through like hell, right? And then yep. a lot of it is just like they're trying not to die, right? Right. You know, they're they're yeah. they're just covering themselves in mud. And, you know, hiding underneath tents and not tents, but like lean twos or something they make and, and, and they'll make things survive, but they know that they have to survive for like 30 days or something like that. And they just are right. trying to live. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, um, it's, it's fine, but it's just basically like I'm watching the show to watch suffering. Right. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. not that entertaining. And then you get some of the ones that were like, pretty good like you said that they were like oh i i've got a i've got if they did well they made it they made shelter and they made fire or whatever and they got a routine within the first couple of days and then the show's just like you said just them trying to not be bored for 30 days you right. know not trying to go insane and then one yeah. of them will invariably get sick or something which is a lot of times happened um and they would be take off the show now you just got one person for 20 days just sitting there just right. hating life right um, yeah. So, so it's, it, it's, it's just hard to get on. And I think I've seen another one where they was, that's why I kept asking you questions because it felt so similar to another one that I watched. I can't think yeah. of the name of where they would put a mixture of people together with different skills and they'd have, this person is, you know, good survivalist. This person is good athlete, uh, athletic person. This good ha- person has no experience, you know, and they'd put them all on different rate rankings and they'd have to be evacuated. Like they'd, take a map, go out somewhere. They'd find a camp. They'd stay there for 30 some days. And then at the last day they'd get their, 
their map and have to make it to the evacuation point. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was, again, just surviving. But it was a little more interesting because they had people who knew what they were doing, you know, at least a little bit. Some of the yeah. it was interesting because some of the people who knew what they were doing were like not good anyway. They 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 had book smarts, but they didn't actually know a lot. Sure, right? sure. Um, yeah. But the um, but and that was the interesting part of that, right? You know, like oh, this person thinks they're they're good, but everybody else knows that they're not that great. Um, but but honestly, when you get to it in a in a on a show like that, which are, I think are very entertaining, because I like that I like that. Um, you know, how do they do it? Could I survive? That kind of stuff. What would I have to put up with? What would I have to live through, right, if, in this situation? Um, the, the worst is that, you know, as they always say, people are the worst. That, you know, right. you, you're you with these other people and you get one person who's just a butthole, you know, and you're yeah. like, man, you just you just have to live with them for so long, right? Or someone is completely right. insane and just does something trashes your camp because they're a jerk, you know, on day 15 and you just, you have to live with them. So those are, those are always mixed for me. I I like some of them a whole lot. I typically like the ones that are like the single person going out in the bush. And yeah, that's what I, that's what I liked about alone because there's no, like, yes, the episodes were edited to show more drama, right? Like we didn't see every single person setting up nets to catch fish every single day. Like we only saw people setting up nets or checking the nets if it was going to be dramatic. Like, they're going to get there and they're going to find a massive trout, or I don't know if it's trout. and Or they're going to go there and it's, and it, the you know, the net is all torn and tangled and now they don't have any more food. Or, you know, they they start out, some they can start out with some rashes, which are like, okay, they didn't catch any more food, like that's a major setback. Or, um whatever. So it is, it is edited to be dramatic. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's how they have to do it. That's a skill in itself. Yeah. It's gotta be, it still has to be entertaining television. Right. Um, but there's no, there's none of the stuff that's on the bachelor, right? There's no crying. There's no, I mean, (laughs) there's no crying in baseball. People will in their, like, they're almost doing blogs, right? They're doing video diary and they'll have like breakdowns and stuff. But it's it's less performative. I mean, it's still a little performative, but it's less because there are no people around and you don't have any of the like, I can't believe she would say that about me, you know, kind of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and and that's the. I mean, they had a lot of obviously they have a lot of that on Survivor. Um, right. I, I always I one thing I always enjoyed about Survivor was that they were always very aware of those kind of things, the, the production companies and such. And mm-hmm. they would, you know, try to always, you know, as the seasons went on, it's still going on for like 800 years now. Uh, right, they, they, right. they just fine tuned it like all the time where now, you know, in week three or four or something like that, we need to switch up teams or it felt like sometimes the producers were feeling out the, the things like, you know, they get too close or too ironclad of a thing or too popularity contest. Then they intentionally switch them up. Right. Or force three out at one time or, or some kind of uh, nonsense to make it completely different, which I, which I really, really enjoyed making it, you know, it wasn't always that, that simpleness of it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I dig those shows. I mean, I really, I really do dig those shows. Uh, they're, they're pretty cool. Like 
you know, good reality shows about survival, I think is, is what I really liked where you have some sense of survival with them. Um, Oh, man, I don't even know how we got on that topic, dude. How we came from there. Uh, oh, because I saw part of that fantasy one when I was at Aaron's. Oh, <laughs> um, well, that's right. We got yeah. all the way back to the Disney we, one. Right? We, so we, we, I should watch that one and see them. see if I like it. Because, you know, yeah, who knows? Check it out. You know. It's, it's got to be a high school kid. It can't be that, that you know, deadly. But <laughs> um, Right. No. No. I always think that I want to go back and, and watch some Survivor things. And I'll get halfway through. And then I'll like... Vote off the good people and only some of those things is the worst part about those shows is like you're committed for a whole season, right? Like you watch half yeah. of them and you're like, well, I'm what's that called? Sunk cost fallacy where you're like, I've already yeah. watched half. I got to watch the other half and see who wins this. Right. Right. Which you hate everybody that's left on there. And so you then you hate the show and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so anyway, you said you, you never really did say where did you go after North Carolina? Oh, I'm back in Williamsburg, Tennessee. Is that Tennessee? Virginia. Virginia. Williamsburg, Virginia. Why am I thinking Williamsburg? Uh, Colonial Williamsburg. It's close to... Um, Just like that area, did you? Uh, I, I like the park here. It's close to town. Um, I'm going to go, I think, tomorrow. I'm going to go... Because there's the nice theater here. Oh, right. Yeah. Tomorrow, I think I'm going to go see the Northmen. Oh, man. I really want to see that. It was, it was between that and... Um, Oh, what? Something else new. And then Wednesday is the pre-release for the Downton Abbey movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll see that. What is the other? I know Maverick's coming out soon. But that's like in oh, right. a week and a half or something like that. Yeah, in a, in a couple weeks. I'll miss that one. Hmm. Um, the other one I considered was Firestarter. Oh, I actually yeah, sure. read that book like in college. Oh, really? Um, but, it's a, you know, around the time that I was interested in in Stephen King particularly and was like, well, here's this one, here's this one. Um, but, yeah, I'll probably see Northman and, yeah. And then, like I said last week, I'll be in Virginia the rest of this week and then New Jersey next week. And then up into Joyzy. You gotta be in Joyzy. Yeah, it's right across the. It's right across the water, and maybe a little corner of. Uh, what's the one in there? Delaware. Um, oh yeah. From from Virginia, but maybe a little. I think. I think I'll go like through from Virginia. I'll go through a little bit of Maryland, a lot of Delaware. And then New Jersey. Maybe Go, not going much. all the way around the, the East Coast. Yeah, it's just along the water there. And then up into Maine for Memorial Weekend, which is the only place I could find uh, reservations. Oh, that's going to be hard, too, with your whole thing. is like all stuff's on the big holidays are going to sell. Like, do you have plans for the 4th of July already? Right. Like right. that stuff's probably going to be super sold out, right? Yeah, and I can, I can only book sixty days in advance, so I'm limited on. That oh, really? As well, it's it's part of the, it's one of the things that I think makes the system seem like a timeshare. Sure, it's got weird, um, weird restrictions. But are are they for me? For, are they filled up for, a lot with sixty? Like I can't remember how these. Do they? Can other people fill up before sixty days? Yeah, if you have, I have the I have the basic 
membership tier and the other tiers are all like lifetime things where you pay several thousand in advance and then pay annual dues. Yeah. Um, and I think the higher tier members can do like 120 day booking windows and stuff like that. Um, most of the time it doesn't matter. Like I'm not, it's only now that I've started booking like a month in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, when I started and it was winter, I would just, you know, book the next place I'm going to go. I would be at a park and book the next park. Um, because I never couldn't get a spot, a reservation in Texas. Yeah. Um, things are, are getting busy now. Um, but even, even after like Memorial weekend was tight, but then after that, I was able to book a couple weeks worth of stays, um, you know, without, without any problem. And then I think I might be headed back to Indiana around the 4th. I think that's when my family is moving. Um, or the big move? Wanna, the big move, yeah. The big move. Oh, my goodness. Like, are, are they, are they um, not to get too personal, but they are, are they living down in Bedford now? Or are they going between? Or They're still going between because they're in the process of, you know, still packing and, and moving everything down there. Um, Man, moving across town for me is hard enough, let alone <laughs> moving halfway across the state. Yeah, yeah. Dad bought some, um, he bought a great big trailer. Um, like, like a semi trailer, not quite. Though he did buy a couple of those containers, um, you know, shipping containers. Oh yeah, go yeah. On, go on oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and that's where he's storing stuff on the property. And then he bought a big trailer that's like a trailer you put cars in, like if you have race cars or or derby cars or something. It's a big enclosed trailer. Um. That's, you know, the maximum width that a trailer can be in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and has just been taking loads of stuff. I, I went with him a couple times to help him unload uh, furniture and boxes and all of that stuff. So much. Like, like I said, traveling, those people who travel across country, too, it's, so, it's got to be so difficult. Yeah. I mean, we did that when I was a kid. We did that twice, but the, um, the company uh, paid for movers, right? So oh, they right. Had, you know, I, I am definitely doing that. Even even in t across town here, when I when I move this this coming up soon, two big semi trucks. And yeah, I'm I'm just gonna have them do it. Nice. I mean, I'm gonna box everything up, but I'm just gonna have them come in and say, move all the stuff and all the boxes, and I'm not gonna touch it. I mean, I'm right. It's it's I've moved enough times in this world to know that. Well, first off, I've never moved by myself. Like just I've always had fortune enough to have some people help me. Right. OK, sure. And uh, and that's fine. But it's still kind of a pain in the butt. Nobody really wants to. Do it. I know I never want really to want to do it. So it's always kind of like right. one of those who can you cash in some chips to help out. Right. And then and then everybody sure. hates it. It's just kind of a miserable day. Um, <laughs> not, nothing to look forward to. But, you know, if you can if you can afford some some movers. They're done in like record time that you couldn't imagine. Like you spend all days or all weekends moving in a house and they'll do it the same thing in three hours. And right. Wow. They're, you know, I remember them coming in and moving a house one time that I did. And, um, 
I was out of an apartment and they had like three guys and they just wrecked the house so fast. I was like, how so I was like, I was going to tell them and walk around, tell them where they should go and what they can load up. And they were just like, room, 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 room done. I was like, wow, right. that's so impressive. Uh, so very cool. Uh, okay. Anyway, speaking of craziness, um, Let's talk. Let's start out our normal stuff. Let's talk about uh, our show this week. We're doing Mad Max Three, which I said last week was two, which is incorrect. Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's do it. All right. We watched this week uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, nineteen eighty five. Mel Gibson, Tina Turner. And, I don't know, a bunch of people I didn't recognize. Sure. Um, I don't think that I've seen the first two. Definitely not the second one and probably not the first one. I saw Fury Road years ago when it was relatively new. Yeah. Um, That's not that old, right? No, it's like six or seven years old. Right. Um... And so I knew, you know, some of the some of the bits, the whole Thunderdome thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of, lot of cliches. From, either from conversations with people or like seeing it in other uh media. Like I kept thinking of uh Gadgets Anne in World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Has a big cage uh thing. The goblins are very uh uh whatever whatever you call this, like motor punk mm-hmm. um, kind of aesthetic. Uh, and it's also reminded me of the movie Hook. I don't know how <laughs> familiar you are with that one. Sure, uh, okay. Uh, because that uh, our, that's why you did the bangerang post. Okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, Hook is from 91, so it probably took some of its inspiration from this and not vice versa. But... Um, Hook was one of those that we had on VHS and I saw many times as a kid. I don't think it's, I don't know if I even put it on our list. It's one of those that probably doesn't hold up as well as I think it does or would. <laughs> but, uh, oh, we're, oh, I was scrolled down. I was like, man, we're kind of low on lists. We only have two listener suggestions and it's because I was scrolled down and uh, uh, couldn't see them all. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have, have much to say about this movie. I did kind of watch it a couple hours ago because I forgot Mm. um, and watched it at last minute and was still trying to wrap up work stuff and stuff. It's not really a movie that you can listen to. No, it's, it's mostly just, it's all visual. A lot of it's all visual. 90% of it is, is visual spectacle with a little bit of, um, like, lore stuff when he gets to the when he gets to kid town oh right yeah uh, yeah i i i i like this one i mean I, I still say it's one of my favorites i think i thought it kind of held up and that it doesn't doesn't like there's it's all practical effects right sure so, yeah. so it's not like you're green screening anything or doing any future tech stuff and they even kind of it feels because it's after World War Three, everything's kind of gone backwards a bit anyway, right? Sure. Um, so you know, 
all anytime you do like a post-apocalyptic world as long as you don't go too far in the future um then things you know can hold up pretty well i thought tina turner was pretty good in this she like is a singer but was right. a fine per you know character her character was very unique and she was good in it um uh it's 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 not a masterpiece i'll say that one it's not it's not a but it's not meant to be it's just it's meant to be a like all the mad maxes is a, are right they're just is it a is it a master blaster piece master blaster nice um yeah it's just it's just what it, what mad max is it's you said you saw fury yeah. road it's it's that's why people like fury road so well is because it just did what it's supposed to do which is just a straightforward point a to point b type thing um, and Max, the main character, just kind of survives through it. He starts, he always right. starts off wandering into something and then ends wandering away from it. Mm. Right. It's just, yeah. and then yeah. whatever he experiences along that, like, you know, it's very, it's, it feels very episodic, all of Max's stuff. I can um, see that. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's what this was, right? He goes in, he, the very beginning starts off with him getting his, uh, his stuff stolen. Right. He just goes and straight up wants to get it back, makes a deal, you know, somehow gets banished, has to get his stuff back still, goes back to town. I can't remember what's the name of that town, I forget. Um and Barter, Barter town. town. Right. Who who run Barter Town? Who runs Barter Town, right? Master Blaster. Um and I mean, I dug it because it's got it's got it's kinda like it's all it's all lore, right? Like you, they never go back to Barter Town in any other in any other Mac Mad Max thing, I don't believe there's they ever duplicate anything. Besides Max, there's no real through line. Right? Okay. It's, it's just like he goes to a different place next. And yeah. Fury Road, it's same like, thing. Uh, yeah, it's episodic is a good word for it. It's almost like a if you take them together, it could almost be like a travel log, right? <laughs> right. Like he's, he's just going from one like post apocalyptic village or uh what did what did they call it uh oh it's not going to come to me now but they had some cute like apocalypse uh word in the in the kid town uh, oh what they called it yeah i can't remember i know what you're talking about though the um yeah and you're right they they just go for so so watching a mad max is basically like uh what kind of um uh, uh, post-apocalyptic city, you know, or when you watch walking dead, it's the same thing. Like this season they're in Alexandria and this season they're in the prison. And, and it kind of like mm -hmm. e each, each thing is just examining how this area has dealt with post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world earth. Right. Right. Um, and, and that's all this is. And, and that works great. And I really enjoy that. And there's uh, some things have come out of this, just like you mentioned, you know, um, uh, the Master Blaster is the name. Um, uh, who runs Barter Town? Um, two men enter, one man leave, things like that. Uh, I mm -hmm. tried to look back at this, by the way. It's the first one, at least I can remember, where they have a guy come up and tell him to take his, his weapons out. And he pulls all every like 70 gun mm -hmm. and knife that that went like. There were more sound effects than there were guns. Yeah, right. You, you you just see you know Mel Gibson deadpan and he's like setting guns and guns and guns and then they do the wide shot again and I'm like he's set down at least eighteen guns and there's still only like 
six. <laughs> right, right. And then a crossbow. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, like I said, this is the first one I remember. I could be wrong. I, I did a Google search, a cursory Google search, did not return anything on, like, I, I was searching, you know, what's in movies, what was the first one scene where you lay down, multi- pull out multiple guns. And just, I could not find oh. anything on it at all. But Because that's, mm. that's a trope that has happened a lot. And I want to say it's a lot happened after this movie. Um, yeah, but I feel I, like that I, has I to have happened... It. It has to have happened in like a Western. That's, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like maybe a Western would have something like that where yeah. they would pull out and, a whole bunch of stuff. And you just can't like, you don't, you got to go on TV tropes and figure out what the, what the term is. They'll have a list. <laughs> right. right. Um, but, but I, it, it, they didn't, ha- I know a lot of Westerns since then have done this. Um, sure. So, and, and I, and you see it everywhere. Um, but anyway, this was this was the first one I, I remember that I, I did. I I enjoyed how the the movie was split into kind of two sections, maybe three. Like the three acts were right. pretty pretty clear. You know the Barter Town act, and um, I thought Mel Gibson's great. I mean, th- this is him in his prime when he his his this and uh, Lethal Weapon. He was okay. yeah. sufficiently intimidating as a what what antihero maybe is what it is or. I'm not sure, sure there's a hero in this world. Um but you know he's he he did his he was pretty cool, pretty great. Um mm-hmm. yeah, and you know set design and everything else was was really great. So when you go back and watch Fury Road, people who have only seen Fury Road, you can see like, oh yeah, this is how this whole world starts. I will say the only thing about this is that Mad Max, the first one called Mad Max has pre post-apocalyptic stuff in it like it, it starts with him being a police officer and all that kind of stuff and then goes oh okay. goes through all that so that's the only one that's really different than the rest of them and it does show you his beginnings and how it all started and stuff like that um so you you see a very different max like he's he's clean cut he's shaven it's funny thing about that one is that they didn't that was it's a movie made in australia it's one of the very first Movies that came out of Australia that made people like, oh, okay, well, maybe we can watch some movies that are made from here. Um, right. But a funny thing about that, like, Hollywood tried to do so much with it. Like, it was completely dubbed over from Australian. Like, they had different voice people oh, come in. And, okay. And sure, they speak yeah. English in Australia, by the way. Right, right. But, but they were like, oh, people just... And they changed all sorts of things, like, that they couldn't say certain words because people in America wouldn't know what that means. Um, okay, like, sure. Like they say, they'd say "oi," and it's instead okay. they, they change it to "hey." <laughs> like, sure. Okay. Um, That's weird. Windscreen they changed to windshield stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, they they had voiceovers. I, I can't remember. I think Mel Gibson was even um, voiceover, and this was his breakout movie. Was was this movie? Okay. So. Yeah, that's that's what's gonna. Be. So anyway, yeah, I liked it. I think it's got, fun. It's he's still got some of his accent. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I it's, don't think I've ever heard before. It's su- I thing I love about it is it's super simple. Like you don't sure. need to know anything before it. You don't need to know right. anything after it. You just watch it for what it is, right? Yeah. And I think every Mad Max movie is the same. And I mean, in that way, like I can watch right. movies. Like that's now I, on that. That being said, I guess they're doing a sequel to Fury, Fury Road, Road, and it's called Furiosa. Yeah. So okay. that will be the first one where they have a continuing character from a different movie and then not Max. 
the uh, I said off the air that I'm rewatching the Orville. Yeah, the, yeah. The last episode I saw was that one with um, Charlize Theron. Oh right, yeah. Speaking she, of Furiosa, she was so good in that. She, I thought she was good in that. Um, the other one, to the old guard. I I kind of liked that too. Hmm. And she's going to be in the Marvel thing too, so we'll we'll see how she. Although she's done some not great ones too. She did a where she was the evil queen and with the Huntsman and Huntsman Two or something like that. Oh, I never saw those. Yeah, you're 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 better off. Trust me. Hmm. Um, it not. I mean, she she was trying her best to like. It's kind of like the you could tell the script was terrible, and right. everything around her was terrible. So she was like, "I'm going to overact the crud out of this." To make it stand out, right? But it's right. just like you're just so overacting because there's there's nothing there. I think um, that the two leads were Chris Hemsworth and he was awful, and hmm. the, the Bella from the Werewolf Vampire thing. Uh, oh, really? Spark- um, yeah, Twilight is what yeah, you're Twilight Lady, and, yeah. and Kristen Stewart, Kristen Stewart, yeah, and and they were just he was just awful, so. Um, and they were awful and they were doing awful jobs and they were doing, delivering terrible lines. And, <laughs> and then Charlie Stan was like, fine, I'll just go over the top with this. Um, right. so yeah, anyway, uh, she's, yeah, she's, she's pretty good though overall in, in a lot of her stuff and she's doing well. Um, so anyway, what do we got next week for our show? What's our okay. Um, week you know, show? I started looking, I started looking at the list and, um, didn't pick. Uh, I can say there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of things on here I don't know. Let's. I'm gonna run down them real quick. Cinema Paradiso. Don't know that one. Uh, Gross Point Blank. Don't know that one. With the Wind Rises. Don't know that one. Uh, I'd never seen Kramer versus Kramer. I don't know Frequency. Don't know your name. You've got a lot of ones on here that'll be a first time for me. Not that we need to watch a first time one. Right. Right. Um, I'm impressed by the the different I've never heard of before. Right. And and some of those are ones I've seen and some are ones that I've heard name dropped on podcasts and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I've heard of that before. We should watch that. Um, Cinema Paradiso is one that I watched in film appreciation in college. It's an old Italian movie about an old guy who runs a theater. Yeah. Um, I don't remember anything else about it. Uh, how do you feel about a Studio Ghibli movie? Oh, I I dig Studio Ghibli movies a lot. Uh, so The Wind Rises is one of those, and if I'm not mistaken, it's the story of the guy who was a um, uh, uh, aerospace. I don't think they called it aerospace. No, that's not right. He was an engineer or something who helped design the planes. Um, that would become the zeros oh, okay. in, in uh, leading up to World War II. Yeah. Um, somebody told me about it, and I'm like, you know, I I have a hard time separating Studio Ghibli from Spirited Away and uh, Castle in the Sky and those, like, very fantastical, or uh, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind. For, for real, yeah. I'm there, too, yeah. And I think this one, somebody was telling me about it, it sounds like a more down-to-earth human kind of story and so i thought that would be interesting to to try and what was it what was it called again the wind rises the wind rises 
Okay, and that's a Studio Ghibli. I, I mean, mm-hmm. everything I've never seen anything from them that I did not like. So, right, cross fingers. A little little sad. See, it's going back to her mom's for the summer, and I won't be able to watch it with her. She loves. Well, maybe we could squeak it in. We got till till Friday. Hmm. We'll, we'll try to squeak it. In. Going going back up to Chicago this weekend. Galloping Ghost Trip should be pretty fun overall. Um. We got some Gen Con things. See, I'm trying to go on my list here. We got um, Gen Con events went live last Sunday. I got a couple things there. I hmm. uh, bought the four four day badges for Sydney. It's going to be uh, it, Gen Con is when Sydney comes back, and like right when she comes back for school, and she has school that Wednesday. So wow. I told I told her I said I can't take you out of school on your first three days back. So no. So she is going to go to school Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then come for Saturday and Sunday. Hmm. But poor kid, she's like, oh, man. You know, maybe if it was the second week, maybe I'd let her off Friday, but. Right. They just, it's kooky how that works out. Anyway, I'm looking looking forward to that this year. Do you know if you're going to make it this year to, to Gen Con? Um, I've not decided yet. Our buddy Fox is, is making alternate plans. Mm-hmm. He might end up coming anyway. Um, but the combination of, you know, figuring out how to get back there, paying for a badge, it seemed like we were having more trouble with housing than, than in years past. And also I think we're going to, you know, the, the event is going to be back up to normal level crowds. Yeah. All of that stuff going, you know, combined together for me, in addition to, I'm on the road all the time. I don't play games in person. Right. Um, uh, you know, pointed me toward, well, maybe I'll skip, especially if um, Fox and Jill are going to Bloomington um, another time. I would want to be, be there then. But I, I also want to talk to my brothers and see, you know, they didn't go last year, but um, they, might be, they might be up for it this year. See what they're, see what they're thinking. I don't know. My, my, I always had the, the opposite. Mine was always very much the opposite. It's like, it was always more a struggle for me. Not that I've ever missed a, a Gen Con or, or thought about it, but it, it has, I have had less interest in a Gen Con or my interest has waned less in years because I was playing games regularly. Like when, playing games regularly meant that Gen Con, like I'd go to Gen Con, I'm like, oh, I can play this at home, right? Anything I want to play there, sure. I can just get yeah, and play. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it was times when I never got to play that I absolutely loved going to Gen Con more because I, I would pick all the things that I wanted to play, but couldn't. So I would, you know, you know, fill up my, my schedule with all the, all of those kinds of things. And I'm kind of doing that again this year, um, playing on several of the things that, that maybe our group wouldn't want to play. And, and I'm doing some, sure. some win a box things, which I tend to like, and that are all back again. So that I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that one. I know. We've had, and maybe we'll have to talk about it again with the the guys next year. But it got to be where almost where we were pricing each other out from Gen Con with the the housing thing, and it started getting right. really pricey. And everybody was like, "Yeah, no, I'm just it's it's fun to hang out." But then you're talking about almost a thousand bucks, and you're like, "No, you <laughs> um, Yeah. So so I think I think we should probably bring it back up next year in a, in a realistic way and say, hey, let's let's go back to just you know having an affordable thing for or even the 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 less how do I say it uh, money having people can can come and hang out, which I think is something something more economical. Economical. That's the thing. 
Because I think that's that's one of the funnest things about you know having a bunch of people there. I'm, I can always definitely go by myself and have a great time. But um, you know, if you have have friends there, is you know that anyone can come and just chill out and hang out and have a good time. Right. Right. Uh, so anyway, that's that's coming up soon. Is Gen Con sooner? Than, I was looking at like like eighty days or some kind of thing like that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty pretty soon. Um, what else we got going on this week? I have been playing Spider-Man Miles Morales, and I know that that is old for a lot of people. But, you know, I've been intentionally, now that school's done, I'm intentionally trying to get back to my story-driven games. And man, is that game fun. I don't want to spend any much time on it. I just want to say that, like, the first Spider-Man was great and really made you feel like you're playing Spider-Man. And you're just, like, you. I don't know what it does. It's the same thing with the Arkham games. But, like, anytime you press a button... It feels like it's the right button, right? Yep. Like, you yeah. Can... I didn't. I didn't finish the first game. Yeah. Um. And now I don't have my. Uh, I don't know my PlayStation with me anymore. Um. Because I don't have a TV. <laughs> um, oh right, right, right. And so I, you know, I let Andrew hold on to it. Um. But yeah, I really, you know. It's the thing everybody always says about that game, just the traversal. Like, you're just swinging and running and jumping and swinging, building to building. It's like playing Arkham or Assassin's Creed, but better. Yeah, I... I, I even in... Com- like, Well, you talk about that traversal thing. It's like, um, it'll show that my next objective is 2,000 meters away, right? which is pretty long in this game. Mm-hmm. And, and you just go to the world map and like, you know, take the subway as they do it, you know, from over there to the next part really quickly and easily. But I just don't, I just like, I just like swinging across New York city and it's fun. Right. And I don't, I don't know anything about that, that subway thing you're talking about. Cause I yeah. never even, I'm like, Oh, well I've got to run there. Oh yeah. There's there, you get unlocked shortcuts to around the city. Um, sure. And on the PlayStation five, there's like no, like lag or what's called load time, that load time. It just, you click it and then it loads up and you're there. It's so quick. Um, which is, which is really nice. Uh, so, but I don't do that. I just, you know, I just enjoy going and then I get caught up a lot of times with, Oh, and there's a crime along the way. I'm going to stop over there and stop these criminals from doing this thing. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just, and just, I, I played it a lot this last weekend and just did all the little side quests and, and I know there's the story and it is pretty great. It's a great story. It's got great voice acting, they just really chose good voice actors. The characters, obviously Miles Morales is a great character. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, and, and he spun off this, this version of Miles Morales spun off of the first game. Cause he's in the first game as just miles. And at the end, spoiler for the end of the first one, you, he gets his powers. So this kind of naturally leads in. And this game has Peter in it for a little while at the beginning. Okay. Um, and it transitions into Miles' story just just logically. Just it just makes sense with the story. Everything you're doing makes sense with the story. You know the characters when they say things and they come on on the tell you know the cell phone or something uh, makes sense what they're saying. I just it's just so well done. And I I, I don't I keep gushing, but that's all I want to say is that I just <laughs> put it down. I play it. I have a great time. I feel like I've done something cool. When combat happens, I maybe have not played it for a while. I can still hop back in, and any button I press does something cool. Like he just, how in the world they can make it know where I flip and turn and twist and and 
by pressing square circle X whenever, and it works. And I'm like, yeah. And every time I end, they've got the the algorithm to like, uh, you know, he does it pauses or is slow motion on a cool move, and it just makes you feel really great. Which is that I can't remember who makes that game, but um, they just they got the feel like when you if you can feel like you're cool, then you've got a good game, right? And and that's and that's what they did with Arkham. And that's what they do with this game too. So anyway, I've been playing that. It's really fun. Uh, I'm almost to the end of it. I think I'm going to try for a platinum on it. Uh, like, cause I platinum the first one. And then I'm going to move on to, I think either guardians of the galaxy or, uh, Val- uh um, assassin's creed Valhalla. Cause like me some Vikings. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to try to hit those, hit those one out. Uh, cool. What else I, I've got on here that you've watched Columbo. What's that about? <laughs> That's what, right. What um, Tell me some stories about this. It's an old show if, if you're talking about the same one. Yeah, it's it's about a guy named Columbo. <laughs> That's correct. Peter Falk. You you said tell you what it's about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, what I meant was like, what, Columbo? <laughs> yeah, this this to me is, and, and maybe not, it's probably starting to fade from public consciousness by now. Um, it's show from... I think the seventies. Uh, Sounds right. This up or sixties or seventies. Yeah, the uh, seventy-one to two thousand three. That can't be right. Uh, I think there was 60, a sixty-eight episodes. There's got to be a gap in like a reunion season yeah. or something. I don't know. Okay, yeah. So seventy-one. You can tell because the the cars are all very. 70s but there are a few like 60s cars hanging around like like uh, colombo drives an old car um i think one of our friends uh was was watching this and said said it was good i um never really watched it consciously but it's one of the shows that my grandma really loved and i as a kid spent a lot of time at my grandparents house grandma would watch this matlock uh, the original Law and Order, before they had all the spinoffs, um, just any kind of crime drama thing. I guess that's not a new <laughs> the true the true crime thing is not a new phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'd had this on kind of on my list for a while, and um, if you remember, a week or so ago, I was talking about how I discovered that I could watch stuff slightly sped up. Um, this show, I don't know if it was always this way, but in its original form, the episodes were like short movies. Um, oh, okay. You know, they, they're like 90 minutes long. Oh, really? And so, and so it sat on my watch list for a long time, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch an hour and a half episode of something. And then, you know, I have to like watch it at 1.2 speed or whatever. Um, <laughs> that's so funny it, just barely a little more, bit speed up, speed it's, up it's not that much right like it turns 90 minutes into like i don't know 65 minutes it shaves like 15 minutes off of it maybe um <laughs> but it's funny. just enough like to get get past that psychological block um what's interesting so i remember bits and pieces like the last episode i watched i remembered highlights from having seen it as a kid right when my when my memory was still fully, fully functional. <laughs> um, and there was, 
uh, I'm not going to remember it now, but there was something somebody said, and I was like, oh, that came from this movie? Oh, it's the um, uh, 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 putting a potato in the exhaust pipe, the tailpipe of a car. Right. We'll keep, we'll keep it from starting, at least in the 70s. Um, who knows now? Cars, you know, computers and car with dual exhaust or whatever. But, like, you block up the exhaust that, you know, air can't, you know, it's all explained. But um, in the movie, it's implied that he did that at one point to, to the suspect. Um, what's interesting about this show is that unlike, and maybe... Maybe there's some new show that is uh, um, that's doing the same format, but every other kind of mystery or or police drama um, um, work movie or or TV that I've seen is of the who done it format. Yeah, right. Where like in the in the cold open to the show, you see the body fall or you see somebody getting ready to start jogging and then they find a body in the park or <laughs> yeah right yeah something something like that and then the whole rest of the episode is you know our heroes interviewing the neighbors and knocking on doors and you know trying to get a confession out of whoever and all this thing columbo starts every every episode starts showing you how the murder happens and it's and it's a little cheesy with the special effects and stuff but you're like Here's this guy, and he beats this person, and he, you know, she's sitting there waiting for him, and she shoots him, and then she does this, and she wipes off the gun, and she does this with the body, and you <laughs> see all that. And then the whole rest of the episode is Columbo, like he's doing a, um, he's doing a kind of what's the word for it? Um. It's like a it's like a misdirection or kind of like he's he's pretending to be inept, basically. Like he's constantly just standing around, he's like opening the wrong doors and like wandering in to places and you know, very absent minded, yeah, uh seeming seeming guy, but he's always like working through things like he's figuring the crime out in his head and then trying to um like trap the killer into revealing themselves or something so that they can make an arrest faking um, that he's dumb thinking that he's dumb and it you know he does there there are tropes right that you know, that come up every time like he he'll he doesn't always say one more thing cuz that's the that's the joke it's like oh okay that's that that's good thanks thanks so much for your time uh one more thing and then he's got <laughs> You know, some follow-up question that, like, leads. But he'll, like, he's always smoking a cigar, so he'll be looking for a light sometimes. Um, he's always mentioning his wife, but <laughs> you, nev- you never see his wife. He's like, he's like, I was looking over the papers for this kind, and it drives my wife crazy because we just have the one lamp by the bed, you know. But I was looking at the files, and I, you know, and so he's doing this, like, mm-hmm. ah shucks kind of, kind of persona, but... but in his mind, he's working through it's. You know, it's it's uh, it's funny. <laughs> so, so I, I missed it. What what was it that made you watch like this comeback? Just because it was on your list for a while. I just I remembered having seen it a lot when I was a kid at my grandparents, and I remember Grandma pointing out, you know, that he he always seems 
you know, less capable than he is. He's always mentioning his wife and you never see him do anything domestic at all. Um, <laughs> and when one of our friends said they were watching it and it was, and it holds up or, you know, is still entertaining. I was like, Oh, I should, I should rewatch some of that and see. Cause like, you know, I saw it as a kid. I was not even processing what I was, what I was really seeing. My, my equivalent um, of that is uh Magnum PI. That's a, that's what, same oh, kind sure. of thing. When I, that was always on, and I, I really liked it, but I couldn't quite like you. Just you said it well. Like I could process all of the things that were going on with it, and uh, but it seemed cool and fun and interesting. And then I went back, just like you're doing, like later and watched several. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it's it works. I mean, it's '80s, but it it works. So cool, Col- Columbo. Speaking of things that finally catching up on or going back to watching is uh. I finally got. I finally finished Picard season two, and I know that's new, but it kind of took mm. me a while to get to get through it. Did, you've right, seen right. all that, right? Yep. So, what did you think? What's what's your now? We got now that we're done. Overall, mm. uh, let's let, here. Let me let me ask you a couple interview questions. Okay. Did you like it better than season one? Yeah, that was a long Bare, pause. I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> barely the 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 robot stuff in the android stuff in season one didn't really interest me yeah even though it should have right like data it should have been interesting i honestly i don't like that actress who soji yeah shoji soji or Or dodge kore in in season two right um and yeah, so so that didn't work for me. This this was fine. Like I could see the arc they had planned for the beginning, but they didn't have enough interesting, compelling material in the middle to sustain that that arc. And and you know, go back an episode or two to hear my rants about uh, uh, quote unquote progressive writing in an era where. It seems like television is flooded with progressive messages, and yeah, uh, and also not that I have anything wrong with that in principle. Like Star Trek has always been that way, right? I say that every time, right? Um, but just, just no concept of subtlety or subtext, and 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 so little hope. Like yeah. Star Trek is a is a franchise of hope, of optimism for the future, and it's just so bleak. Yeah, it's very, it's very bleak. I agree. Yeah, the they yeah. they they started with a. I mean, they started strong, and I thought the last episode was strong, ish. Mm-hmm. Like, the problem was that the last episode tried to do everything, like, which was just it just felt felt like terrible writing. Actually, it felt like they wrote it as they went. Like they, 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 the writers got in a writing room and then they were like, okay, this is next. And then, and then let's all talk. Let's what's next. Okay. Then this one's next. And let's, let's get a Picard, sure. uh, childhood. Let's he'll go back and, um, what is he going to do when he's there? He'll go back and visit Chateau Picard and, um, well, he should risk. What are they going to do to change them? Um, let's do a relative. It's like they, they didn't have a goal really. And then at the end, they're like, we got to wrap this up. So let's just make this last episode be all the things. And and that's not terrible as a writing, like a writer's room type thing, but you should go back and say, okay, now take a step back and say, this is where we ended up. Let's, let's smooth this ride out. 
right? Let's let's yeah. make all the pieces. Yeah. Let's thread things through. But they didn't. They just like the whole thing with Q. They just threw it out at the beginning as an idea, and the whole series wasn't about Q at all. And what a waste! Like a total waste. Right. Um, and then they have him come at the end for his bit, but we really don't even need that, right? It just was. It, I don't know. It was just so crazy. And then him dying. Sorry, spoilers. Um, is superfluous. Like it doesn't matter, right? I, I just don't understand any of that. They didn't say why he's dying, why he, how he could die, why it matters, except that he realizes that now he needs a friend. Like, okay, I, I don't understand. Right, the guy is supposed to live for like eternity, forever, and he's never had one friend forever, except Picard, who clearly was never his friend. So yeah, it it just made it made little sense. That and, that stuff that stuff like I like in concept. I, right? I like in concept I, too. I, I like the idea of I mean, except that one of my big tentpole issues with new Star Trek is this excessive focus on emotion. Which yeah, I get like the original. Well, the original series had Spock, right? Like nobody had ever. Uh, at least not that I know of. Nobody had done a big popular TV show like this with a character who has who doesn't feel emotion. And not, who's right. not a robot, who's a yeah. person who, who, you know, chooses... Or doesn't express to, em- emotion. Right. To, not, to not feel or express emotion. Um, but they've gone so far with it. And I, and I, you know, to be fair, I'm carrying grudges over Discovery into this sure. chart experience. But... Um, I'm like, oh, cool. So it's just a whole story about fam. Somebody even says in the finale that it's about family. And I'm like, oh, where's Vin Diesel at? Yeah, Um, right. And, like, I think that could have been fine. But it's the thing, again, that we say about episodic versus serial storytelling. I don't think serial is the right word for that anymore. But, um, like, you've hung your whole series on this one arc on this one story. And yes, the other characters have their own sub sub stories, but they're everything's happening in parallel, which is just how a, an episode of classic 90s era Trek went, except that was done, everything was resolved in 40 minutes. We didn't have to spend week to week going, what's going on with these characters? Why are they wandering around like this? What's the story with with him and this doctor like they can't, they're time traveling, they can't stay. And all of those things had like decent or at least acceptable endings, but it took the whole like whatever this was like eight or nine hours of content to get there. And I don't think enough of the of the um, the journey in the middle was worth it, right? Because that's how you write a story, right? You do setup and yeah. payoff, and then in the middle you have everything that is supposed to keep the the reader or the the viewer going right like you give them a hook at the beginning and you're like this is a promise and then then you have a payoff at the end i'm mixing metaphors here you promise and payoff you give them a promise and they're like okay we're going to see this and you don't see it right away because if you did it would be you know 500 word fan fiction and boring yeah but you get like like you have to string the audience along but that means 
holding their attention, keeping them interested in between. And I don't think the writers succeeded at that. Well, well, not, not only that, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I want to add this to it. You, you mentioned the thing about family. I don't think any of that was earned. I never felt like I, I sure that kind of was their point. I, I agree, but that's, that's not, that doesn't feel like his family. I mean, they just kind of, it feels like they just kind of met. They had, they had an adventure one like last season and then last, last week. Yeah. Yeah. Like last time. And and then that's kind of it. And now they're like family. I, I, I mean, why is, why is, uh, uh, Chris, what's it? The, Captain Chris, um, Reyes, yeah, him. Why is he family to Picard, and why is Rafi family to Picard? And 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 I think I don't know anything about Rafi and Seven's relationship because it happened off screen in the middle between seasons. So I don't know why they're family, and right. like I just none of that made sense. They just because they say it is it is. Like if he was back with the generation, next generation people that he's with for at minimum seven years, if not more, then of course that's family, right? They've gone right. through all heck. They went through a billion adventures compared the, to the two that yeah, this was. Yeah, yeah. You know. I, I agree with that. The part that I, I think did, again, in theory, I don't think in execution, uh, work for me is is the stuff between Picard and Q. Like I could see... How it doesn't, especially with the way that it was handled in this in this uh, season, but yeah. the idea of you know what's the deal with Q, right? Like he's a he's a omnipotent being who keeps showing up to sort of hassle Picard, yeah. And then you get this payoff, and I'm like, okay, I think for that payoff, you're leaning, you're resting. What's what's the word I'm looking for here? You're relying a lot on the next generation, right? Yeah. Because all of that, like the context for for that being his perspective on Picard and Picard's life is all the stuff in Next Generation where he kept showing up and like trying to be friendly or trying to help and it doesn't really work because he doesn't understand, you know, the physical world. And like in retrospect, like that makes sense. But so little of this nine hours of TV, um, like justified, or as you said, earned that that uh, conclusion. Yeah, I, I, and especially the stuff with Renee, like his great 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 granddaughter and stuff like that. Like grandmother. Yeah, she she just grandmother, right? She just she was not interesting. The actress didn't really do a lot for it. Uh, I didn't really care. Like she went up to space to Europe on some big, big important mission, but I don't. No one really knew why it was going to be important. Of course, until the end when they tell you everything at the end. Um, right. But but the whole season they just string you along for no. It was just so okay. So I I think we're belaboring this point here, but yeah. Um. It it's just it just wasn't interesting, right? The first two episodes and the last episode. I think, and then I can I yep. can fill you in spoilers for anybody who wants to not watch that thing. In the middle, Picard finds that his mother did something bad, and he has to accept that after like what ninety years of his life, right. um, which is like uh, after ninety years of your life, 
you know what? If you haven't done it now, you're probably not going to do it. And it's fine. Like you've had a fine life now. Yeah. I, I love how when they, when they resolve this thing with him, it's kind of like, now you can go and live your life fully. I'm like, dude, the guy's got like three years left. Right. Right. It's, it's right. not like he's going to go have a family now. Right. Let's yeah. go have and, kids. And suddenly give him this, give him this romantic relationship, which is like, it's not antithetical, right? Like he had hints of, um, he had hints of relationships in the next generation, but yeah. for the most part was really, you know, what, what we now would call somebody aromantic, right? Just not, he, he never had space for that in his life. Yeah. And in the setting of Picard, like he's been living alone as a civilian for years. Like yeah. he doesn't have the excuse of an all, all consuming career. So why, you know, why after all this time would he go through this drastic change from one like weird dream? Yeah. And, and granted, let's say this solves his, his, I don't know, you psychoanalyze his reason why he is like he is. And he comes to realize like, oh, I didn't realize that this thing with my mom wasn't what it is. And that's why I feel this way. Like, okay, cool. But you know what? After 80 some years of his life, he's not going to change. He's pro- I'm sure he's very, very happy with who the person he is. And to say that, like, that's that's probably something that bugged me about this. It's It, it just kept trying to say that Picard was broken. That he's a broken person, he's been yep. broken his whole life, and that finally he's fixed. And I'm like, no, he has led a incredible, successful, full of love and, and family and all sorts of life. Mm-hmm. And and this doesn't like now make him complete. It just it just doesn't. Um no. so you know, and, and they did not successfully pull that off. Um, and then the worst part about it is that it, it just there was no Star Trek to it, which which leads me into the next thing, which I watched two episodes of Strange New World, and granted it's only two episodes, but every one of those episodes is very Star Trek. Yeah. With with what I and I know I'm my definition of Star Trek is maybe not the same as your definition of Star Trek, which may not be the same as somebody else, but the idea of that carries through the the original genera- the original series and to the next generation series or series of time periods, whatever, uh, even to the, uh, the Abrams verse, they, they're still hopeful, right? They're still yeah. excited to be space explorers and to they're together. I think one thing I, I, I really liked that you had said about Star Trek, you said it a couple times about implicitly trusting each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one has that too. They're, they're on there. The second episode deals with Uhura and they're just encouraging of her and bringing her into that kind of concept of stuff. And it's just like, they're, they're bringing her into what Star Trek is. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, and she's got a kind of a different view that's logical and makes sense and makes sense for a realistic type thing. But then you, by the time it's over, you feel, and I think Spock kind of talks about it. It's like, he says something like the Federation would really benefit from you, or you'd be really great with the Federation. Like, and that makes you think like, oh, I want to be part of this Federation thing. because It's so cool and, you know, exciting and hopeful and new. And so when he says that, you kind of, the whole show, the whole Trek thing, is that like hopefulness, right? That great yeah. fun thing. And obviously you've got a great leader in Anson Mount. And 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Ethan Peck is great. Number one's not even in half of it, and she's you know wonderful as who she needs to be. But I, I'm liking all the other characters too. I love the Doctor; he's super cool. Nurse Chapel, where the heck she came out of nowhere, um, <laughs> which which is great. I, I'm they they I, yeah I like I like her a lot. Um, like her a lot. I I like that I they like... they dumped names on you without even second question. They gave you a, a was it a con cons relative. Mm-hmm. Which you know, okay, God, can we can we can we let out that guy just for a little right, while? Right, right. Um, because they do that. They do the spoilers. They do that at the end of Picard too, and you're like, okay, this is like this is getting worse than the than the Skywalkers in in Star Wars. It's it's getting worse. Um, and 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 Enterprise even spent like an entire season on it, and you're like, ugh. Um, so yeah, it's um, but it has all those things, and and I, I so they they threw that out. In the first episode, I, okay, fine. They, I think they just straight up threw it in our face with Khan and Kirk, right? They, they put those out there for you, and then they end and Ohura, uh, and they did right. it. So a lot, a lot of name dropping and a lot of um, like catching us up on all the stuff that happened in Discovery season two. Yeah, I dig. I dig how uh, Captain Pike did have at least in these first two episodes had a. A, a conflicting personal strife or as I'm thinking about, he's got some strife within him or whatever. Sure. And sure, he's conflicted. He's conflicted, uh, but handled it in a like professional Starfleet way, right? Like he's, right. he dealt with it. He's compartmentalizing it, but still has to deal with it. And it was just, it was, that was just well-written, but more importantly, it was well-acted. Anson Mount, showed conflict in himself when he needed to. Like he felt like when his character needed to have that conflict or they're trying to show it, mm-hmm. he would show a conflict, but then he kind of came out of it like, no, I need to do this. And then characters like Spock and number one approached him appropriately. And they had conversations that were informal, but still captain to subordinate relationships still. Right. right. Um, which still felt like that's how when Discovery says they try to push this whole like we're family type thing, which is you know obviously the thing they're doing now. Um, they you could do like that and still have like a military Starfleet structure. All the other series have done exact that exact same thing. Yeah, it's still, you know, it's the the Federation and Starfleet are not at war, but a ship is still um, hierarchical. Right. Mm -hmm, People mm -hmm. still have ranks and you have ranks for a reason, because people with experience make the decisions and also are accountable for the consequences Mm -hmm. because you're in life or death situations all the time. I mean, they do that pretty strongly with the second episode of um, of Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Um, And like. Okay, this is this, and and we have to we have to make these decisions. It is, I'll say, you know, one of the things that I was really hopeful for for this series is that it would be episodic, mm-hmm. and um, the the second episode they did an episodic kind of thing where they're they're doing this, and here's this story, and there's sort of a a character driven B story going on, maybe a couple of them, um, and then as they get close to the 42 minute mark or whatever like they they do some sort of harebrained scheme at the end and everything works out and it's all great (laughs) right yeah which is that's episodic tell like you have to get you have to get back to the status quo 
uh, for next week, right? No major characters yeah. can die, uh, or, or you know, or if they do, it's a big event. It's um, a big event, and then, and like a Tashiar happens, and then you're like, oh, there's just wharfs there now, you know? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, the 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 way they're doing it is, and and we've, you know, said we would love to see forever, is that you can have. We're just repeating things you and I have said in the past. You can have these through lines of character improvement and, you know, changing and growing um, along with, you know, episode of the week. Right? You can still yeah. have, you know, every time in Next Generation or in anything, any uh, Voyager or whatever, they would have a obstacle that was a major obstacle. It's always usually set out at the very beginning when right before the, the title card comes out. Um, you know, what's happening in this episode. Like they come to a planet and there's Rikers kidnapped or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but then it flips over to, you know, some other personal conflicts that are happening or, you know, something with Alexander or um, Troy or whatever is happening alongside, but they always come back to that main thing that's happening as well. So it's like, you can still have this cool episodic content and character development and they don't have to be tied and married to each other. Right. Right. They, they, uh, people can grow while on tour on duty. Right. right. They, 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 or on a job, like, right. I have a job that I do and I do projects and they change all the time. And I do, they take several months to do sometimes. And, um, I can have total character growth independent of that and still tell the story of my project. Right. 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 right? And it doesn't have to be all about that project or whatever. And that's how what Discovery does is like in Picard, you've got one plot point. You've you've kind of mentioned that several times tonight about, you know, you're married to that one plot point and mm -hmm. you, you got to push that thing. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm it's only two episodes in. Like, right. I actually had. Yeah. Trying I had to... the opposite expectations. Of this. I, I, I thought that the Discovery writers were going to get ahead of it, a hold of it like they did with Picard and. Um, well, the the thing that kept me, and I remember listening to several like podcast series and panels after season two of Discovery, and yeah. we, people were so optimistic. We're like, oh, season one was rough, but they righted the ship, and, and look at what they did. And remember, did you see the the original Enterprise with the orange and yeah. the stuff, except it still looks new, like... They're they're still walking that line. Like there's a lot of touchscreen stuff. There aren't as many buttons as there as there should be. But you know, it's the same thing. Like I said when I went to NASA, like that that was what computers were in the '60s. These giant buttons and big beige panels and TV screens. Um, and we know that technology didn't stay there. And so they're they're really balancing this like. Here's this thing. Here's this screen, but it's still it's still kind of shaped the same way. They've got a big window instead of the view screen, and they're really walking the line between like trying to pay homage to the original while still not making it look cheesy. Yeah, I um, I, I thought that exact same thing. I thought it's taken them like four iterations of shows since they. I think Enterprise, like the, the show Enterprise, right. was where they first did this, like, how do we go back in Star Trek history and make it old but not 60s old? And, like, they struggle with the original series, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's the one that you always struggle with because it's so dated, right? Yeah. And um, so Enterprise did not do a great job with it. 
And then they, they do the same thing with um, the Abrams universe. Abrams went the other way and just completely just ignored all that old stuff, right? Yeah. Um, like, and then they do, do this. We're going to do this time traveler thing. So now we're in a different, we're in a whole different thing. Yeah. And, and then for kind of the same thing, Discovery did basically the same thing. Like it just mm-hmm. basically ignored everything and was, that's why we weren't really sure. Is it in the Abrams verse? What are they doing here? Right. Right. Um, and then now this one, that's what I thought. I was like, I, at first I was a little, I don't know. I, I side-eyed it. Like when they showed the, <laughs> the title entrance, I was like, okay, okay, that's fine. I like it. But they were really pushing on like how all the old parts of the enterprise. So like it looked like they have the, the warp core things that no other ship has in any other Star Trek thing with the spinny fronts that's like red or whatever it spins. Yep. Yep. And you're, and you're like, that's clearly just from the original series and they're putting it on here and no other enterprises ever had that except that. Um, but right. they're, they're doing that like, okay, we'll do this. But then as you watch the, the series, they still have newer modern technology all over the place. It looks very like it does fit in the discovery world, but They'll hold up a tricorder and they have that little thing that they hold up that's attached to it. Yep. Right. The medical like the, tricorder still has the little scanner. The little um, scanner, right? I'll I'll say, uh, especially with the first episode, um, you remember have we talked about this before? I don't think so. Um we talked about it in our movie movie club thing, that's why I forget. Um mm-hmm. when I went to NASA in Florida, Kennedy Space Center. Yeah. And the shuttle is there. I said, I, I feel like I've said this before. Okay. Um, that feeling that I had seeing the imagery of the shuttle and then seeing the actual shuttle. Um, yeah. Was, was similar to how I felt watching this intro. Um, okay. At least, at least the first time. Yeah. It, the ship, to me, looks right. Like, I can sure. appreciate the look of other ships like I was a a giddy little kid watching 09 Abrams uh Star Trek movie. Yeah. Um but this like the whole shape of the ship and those those red light up um uh booster scoops you're talking about at the front of the nacelles like that all to me is what the enterprise is supposed to look like. Like straight lines, cylinders, the the saucer in the front. Except it's all like textured. You can see the plates and and the way that it's it's constructed, the way that um, like Serenity is, uh, yeah. to, you know, to jump to jump IPs there a little bit. Um, and so I love that part. So then when like in the second episode they're doing some crazy kind of flying, and some of this is getting mixed up in my mind with Orville, which I'm rewatching at the same time. Um, like it's still I appreciate that they're they're doing that crazy stuff, but the ship still looks I mean, to my to my mind, to my eyes, right? Because the the original series was the first one I really got into. And I watched both at the same time, but it was always like this is the real ship and this the Enterprise D is is cool, but it's it's like it's not right. Like the nacelles are too small, the the saucer isn't round. It's like an oval, and that's weird. Like, all of that was weird to me. And I hated Voyager. Like, I couldn't... I didn't watch <laughs> Voyager until a couple of years ago because I, I tried it, and I was like, this, I can see so clearly that it's CG. Like, I think maybe 
what's out on Netflix and stuff now is is remastered or something. Sure. But I was like, I was like, this doesn't. Everything about this this is wrong. <laughs> looks, looks awful. Looks awful. Yeah, I, and, and um, I, I can definitely say, especially you know when they remaster those on for HD stuff, they look they do look considerably better. When you go back and look at the originals, they even like next generation stuff, de- definitely like CG kind of type stuff. I think I had the opposite with the original series. It's one of the problems that I still to this day have a real hard time even going back and watching any original series stuff. It's that it like 100% looks like a miniatures. Like that looks like you can see that. Like when I see those little red spinny things, it looks like that is a miniatures thing that they put with the lights and spinning. Yeah. Well, right? they both, and I mean, the. It's just the product series. of the time when those were made. Yeah. Like original that, series the and, and the 90s. And, and next generation. The next generation. Enterprise was a model too. Oh, okay. Um, but the, a lot of their background, all the background stuff was like CG. Yeah, right? it or, was yeah. like I I watched them do it. It's it's compositing, right? Mm-hmm. Where like the original, it was probably just green screen, and then they had an animated like planet that they would show the ship going by. Yeah. Um, the Enterprise D, they would do multiple passes to do layers of like here's the star field and here's here are these lights and here are these lights and here's this glow effect for the nacelles. Um, and so it was, it was more advanced, but it was still a physical ship. That's why when I tried to watch Voyager, I'm like, this is full CGI. And I can tell, I can tell it looks, it doesn't look real. Um, Right. Well, that's, that's something that I want to, I, I'm, I like, and, and and I don't want to definitely want to downplay it, say it's bad with this strange new world because it's not, because I was very aware. That's why I was mentioning the very title card. It, while it was exciting to you, it had the opposite effect of me. Of it was sure. leery. It made me pull back a bit. Like, okay, I don't want to go back to where it's really fakey looking. Like where it's. I don't want them to go back where this is one hundred percent on a soundstage miniature model type stuff. And sure. to be clear, they do not do that. Like it's just. No. The, I think that title card was meant to be thrown to the original series fanboys. But that's that's what that's for, and yeah, it's fun. It's, it's like um, I, I don't even want to say that it's like Discovery because it is a little bit. But they do stuff with the ship and the shuttles like they do in the Abrams movies, right? Where they're yeah. like, it's moving around, it's strafing, it's firing, everything's moving in three dimensions. Like we have the technology to to show now. Like the ships aren't slowly moving around, like like ships in the ocean, like they did in Next Generation. Yeah. Um, but the shuttles and the ships are shaped just like the ones in the original series with, yeah. you know, really good textures and lighting and visual effects that they couldn't do. It's just like, yeah, this is what the shuttle is shaped like. It's going to do some cool stuff now. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a really... Well, and, and it's... It's a thing that's it's, really hard to do, right? Like, we talked about this when Enterprise came out talked about it with discovery we talked about it with phantom menace you're like oh it's years and years later we have much better technology for visual effects now but we're doing a prequel right Right? like like i forget and it's not anymore now but um i forget that discovery is supposed to be a prequel because everything is new like they have holographic um communicators and they have little worker bee ships like they have all this stuff that's so different from from the from the ships of that era like with enterprise at least they had things like you know normal like almost modern day lcd screens everywhere 
yeah. and stuff. You're like, oh, here's a ship that they might build if they had technology that's just a little better than what we have in the late 90s or the early 2000s, I guess. Yeah, the, the, it, you, should, you should see the uh, um, you, a quick Google search. will show you the Strange New World Enterprise versus the original series Enterprise. And, and you can tell that like they have rounded at some edges. They've added a lot of extra ports. Right, like uh, mm-hmm. the uh, on the top, it'll have all sorts of stuff. They've made it lo- not look like bubbles. It's kind of like a smoothed, you know, streamlined thing. But it still has the the shape of the Enterprise. Yeah. Um, for I, I think of the nacelles like the on the original one, it's just like sticks sticking out the sides, and on yeah. the the Strange New World one, it's got like a swept kind of look to it. But it's still the the this this kind of dimensions are the same. So mm-hmm. that the, all this was to say is that. The first, that title card made me worry that they were going to do too much like that way. But then you get into the show and it doesn't. That, that was where I was trying to go with that. It's like, it doesn't. It definitely keeps the original Enterprise. It's kind of like having original Enterprise stuff and I put together. It's like, yeah. I felt that like they finally got it. Like they finally yeah, so got far, a blend of old and new with keeping yes. these things together and it's, having new. Like, oh, fine. This is, this is what, stuff. this is how you do it. Yeah, it's the stuff they did in season two of Discovery before the finale when they did a weird, crazy, just a lot of chaos sh- space battle. Um, but th- that's why I brought up Enterprise and, and Phantom Menace. Like, they seem to, and again, cautious, right? We're only two episodes in. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. But they seem to be really nailing that balance, at least aesthetically. Right, like I agree. The, yes. the stuff looks the same, but it still is is moving and doing things that are cool, which is you know what you want to see. Like I want to see the Enterprise in the right shape, but I also want to see Sulu drop out of warp and the music play and he fires off torpedoes as he's strafing, uh, kind of stuff like in the Abrams. Right. Yeah, and and in the second episode they have a lot of that, and it looks cool. Like it's very yeah. cool. You know, I mean, I, I thought it was, it, that was, and I just felt again, very Star Trekky, where you have this, all mm-hmm. these space things happening. And then the, the big alien of the week shows up and then the enterprise has to f- do some invasive maneuvers and stuff like that's really, that's really cool. It's maybe, um, uh, I mean, probably not, but as the torpedoes are flying toward the enterprise and it starts to move, I'm like, oh, this is evasive. Like they say evasive patterns with na- all the time in the old yeah. shows, but they didn't have the technology and the budget to show it. Yeah. And now we do. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Look at them trying to evade. I get it. Um, yeah. Or she they do, spinning and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a little bit of a spoiler for the second episode, but we've seen, we've seen this in, in sci-fi countless times. Um, the idea of a ship flying through an asteroid field. It's not exactly what happens. So I'm, obliquely dodging the spoiler there yeah um and we've seen ships like go you know twist and spin to dodge between moving asteroids and this it's this whole cool thing except when they do it here we also get the tiny little rocks hitting the shields yeah and it's and it's great yeah that the um we'll see how long like how long they continue granted sets are set so they'll keep a lot of that stuff but um, it feels like, well, th- this perfect blending is what I talk about. Like some things mm-hmm. you can definitely say they put that in there for, for, I guess say for fanboys again, like that Uhura has a, has an earpiece, 
right? Right. Um, and that's because you know I had the, the earpiece in the original series, and so they're they're giving that one. And it doesn't make a lot of sense if you put modern day sensibilities into it. Like they're not gonna have that big bulky thing sticking out of her ear even sure. today, right? right? Or I was looking at the um, um, the pilot's station. I was kind of noticing these kind of things, and she's got one of those viewer things that Spock always looks into. You know, right. like it mm-hmm. looks like a viewfinder. And like, why, why would you have that? Like there, there's even that makes no sense that you would shut off your vision in any way to stick your head in a scope. Um, hmm. But that's something that was all over the bridge in the original series. And they work that into the design of things that are around on the, on the bridge. Right. And I'm like, okay, that, that that's there because it explains it being there later in that kind of way. Right. 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 Um, so, so it's just, the, like you said, the aesthetic is all there, but integrate, integrated so well. So I wish I could gush more about it, but I've gushed too much <laughs> as it is about how well they have blended these two things when I thought it was going to be too much. And then it's it's not I'm like, oh, look, they're just doing really well. And I did mention the, the, the medical tricorder, stuff like that. Like they have a normal medical tricorder, but then you add that little thing that they don't have to. And it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense in the grand scheme of things. You're like, OK, that I mean, that's, it's still that's it great, still you know? was that way in Next Generation. Oh, with right. the oh yeah, having having that little... Crusher still has a little handheld scanner that pops off of the the tricorder, to right? Get, to get better details, and I don't know. Yeah, that's how and, they and, did it. But, in the but there's se- there's several things like that that they do there, and and then they have then they flip around with the costumes are fantastic. I mean, just mm-hmm. fantastic. There there are uh, um, the original series costumes, but. I'm not going to use the word making it modern. Like it just uses modern materials. Right. Right. It's, it's so, not all polyester and go-go boots. Exactly. It's not all polyester and go-go it, But it's the same kind of like he's Pike wears this yellow shirt that looks like something Kirk wore out of the original series thing. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a, it's a modern material. So that just changes the whole thing. And he's wearing like a, uh, a black undershirt or like a, um, it's like an like, undershirt and everything, and, you know, and, like, oh, and yeah, that makes sense. Th- this was the core and we're running long, so we should wrap this up, but this was the yeah. core of my hope leading up to this series was that all of the people involved in making the best parts of season two of discovery were moved on to this project. Yeah. And so far that seems to be true. I could probably go online and look up names and answer that sure. question instead of just guessing. But, um, that seems to be true. Everything aesthetically about the show I, I probably said something like this when we watched uh season two's discovery it's like watching the original series in high def in in like the best possible definition of that of that word so like the things that are changed are things that are good right like the ship it's the same shape again but everything looks up to date there's still big buttons on the consoles of the bridge but they have screens they have touchscreens that they would use because we have touchscreens now. We've had them for decades. Um, the, um, you know, there are more women on the bridge. Yeah. And, you know, Pike doesn't say it's weird to have a woman on the bridge because it's not. It's not the 60s right. anymore. So, <laughs> right. like, the, the things that they've changed all, at least so far, feel like good changes. And so we're still getting, like the best parts of the of the idea of star trek um but with the right amount of at least to me so far 
um, the right amount of respect or reverence for the original. And, for, and for, can I add for this, all can, of the, the source? Yes. Yeah. Can I add this little bit too that, that I thought is kind of important? One that so far they've knocked the the casting out of the park. They they really have. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So, and, and that has to do with I'm, I'm going to be. This is me armchair court Monday morning quarterbacking. So I'm not a studio producer or casting agent, but I, I will say from a fanboy thing, you have people who are of all ages on this ship, which mm-hmm. would make sense. You've got cadets yep. fresh out of the Academy and you have leaders who are graying hair, whose hair are graying, right? Who mm-hmm. are captains of ships and you have everyone in between and they all, the actors seem cast that way, right? Like, um, Ohura is young. She's a young actress and you can right. tell she's young and she's playing a young person. And, uh, so she acts that way, but the whole cast isn't that. Then you've got somebody who's, you know, three or four years older than her. And you can tell that actress seems to have a little bit more confidence in her acting or whatever, or in her abilities. Mm-hmm. And then same thing with number one, Rebecca Romaine is an accomplished actress. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Anson Mount is definitely that. So as you go up and Spock is also in there, you have a command crew who feels like they are actors who are in charge and are respected. And then you have the young people who are trying to become those people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's all of a, it's the hierarchy type thing. It just, it all makes very natural sense on this bridge. And I love it. And I love like the doctor, he comes in and he immediately has this, this air about him of, wisdom or something he's hardly had any scenes almost i can just feel that way and mm-hmm. uh, nurse chapel the same way seems energetic and ready to do what she's doing and exciting the the um uh o'brien 2.0 as you called him is uh, a young inexperienced actor cast as a young inexperienced guy so all of them seem to be doing perfectly what they're supposed to be doing discovery fell all over the place with all of the characters like yeah. you know like the Stamets as much like Stamets, like he is like terrible to the rest of the crew half the time. He's a jerk half the time. Mm, sure. And Michael is so insubordinate and would be everyone on that ship feels like they would have been fired a million times. Yeah. Right. Well, and, there's a there's a line about that, and I don't I don't envy the actress playing Uhura because that no, is God, yeah. That's I mean, I think I think for for people like you and me. She probably gets overlooked, right? In the in the world of Kirk, Spock, McCoy, you know, oh, and then sure. and then next generation stuff. But like, you know, just just in history, to be, you know, the 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 woman, the the female character who was the first biracial televised kiss. Yeah, right? right, yeah. And and so and so she was like the original in the way that the the reserved controlled um uh nature of Spock resonated with me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um Uhura has to be one of those for so many um so many people, you know, and all the time. And so and so she, this actress, has to, you know, try and bring that character to life um in a in a way that feels much more maybe connected with uh Nichelle Nichols in the original than like the Abrams version, which is, you know, its own separate universe. So she can be yeah. a different kind of, uh, you know, a Spock love interest kind of character in, uh, 
in this one. Yeah, and she in, in she movies. is in, in that first episode. Obviously, it's center. She's the one that gets the most um, character development. In the second one. Second. Episode, she yeah. like they're giving her breadth, or they're giving her depth. That's the word. They're giving her her mm-hmm. own depth as a person and things like that, which I really like. And and I'm not. I couldn't say that Ohura in the original series nor in the the original series movies had a lot of that. Right. Um, and this is really letting that character have some of that, which I like. And, and to your point about this actress playing this, this role, I, I hundred percent agree. I'm sure it was the exact same thing as like the guy that played Spock stepping into that. Right. right? Like and here we are on TV and I'm playing Spock. It's good. And he, he knocked it out of the park and, you know, being able to, to do that kind of a thing. So, um, yeah. it's you're, I agree. It's got, and then they're going to be, we've got a James Kirk coming in season two. That's got to be, I mean, that makes me nervous. I, I tell you this. I appreciate that they're doing original series stuff, but I, I hope that they stop. <laughs> I mean, it's right. great. I'm glad, but I don't I don't need to have, like, Kirk's Enterprise. I don't need to. I really am enjoying what they've got right here. I'm ready for seven years of Pike in the command chair and figuring this out, right? Yeah. Like, let's, let's stick with what we have, because, like, as soon as they called Kirk's brother, I had to Google, Kirk had a brother? Who's Samuel <laughs> Kirk, right? right. Um, and I still don't quite understand it, but I just like oh, just guys, just just stop and let's 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 have your these this team you've got is fantastic. Let's let's have this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm excited. This is one that I want to wait watch. You know, every week. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when when it comes out, I was I was sad that there was only two uh, when I was done with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, I watched. I, think I didn't I watch the first one night of and then i i don't know i had something going on thursday night and then um and then i had a kind of busy weekend and then i was driving down to raleigh and i saw you saying you were watching it and i was like oh i didn't watch i haven't watched it yet it's been almost three days and i haven't seen it (laughs) not it was like two days but i was i was kind of kicking myself i I know we're long but can i say I thought they they also did really good with the whole Spock thing with his engaged the Vulcan love interest type thing that he had like that whole interaction there with them was so cool like it just yeah. felt very foreign. It's something yeah. It's something that's not been extensively explored, right? But like you know, it's because it was the '60s, right? I mean, I thought that yeah. when you were saying about Uhura in the original, like just her being there was huge and and a big you know question mark for a lot of people they couldn't they couldn't give her a lot of like character development um we're getting some character development with spock slowly especially in in all of his interaction with her in in episode two um but the stuff in the pilot with uh uh t'pring i believe is his wife or his fiance fiance their word in vulcan like you don't see that in the original because neither the original nor really any of the the 90s shows could really show you know not not sex but like more intimate things like that next generation did some but it was still a very like tv sterile kind of um kind of romance stuff and, um, and these are these are two Vulcans like that. That's right. that's that's something you don't get to see a whole lot of. They're like two Vulcans interacting in a romantic, which which we would think is a romantic situation, and 
how does that work? And this was very interesting. Like I said, it felt very yeah. foreign, but relatable kind of, but it was so interesting. I just, yeah. I mean, you I'm know, curious to see, I don't, I'm not, I'm not an expert on the, on the lore of, of the Ponfar, which is their, yeah. their sort of mating ritual. Um, right. I think the original uh, sort of lore for Vulcans was that their, their emotion, their lack of emotion was just a natural trait. Like it didn't become defined as this meditative, suppressive kind of, um, kind of philosophy until later. Um, maybe later in the original series, but definitely by, by the nineties, um, that stuff was more well-defined. Um, and so it was a kind of like, oh, they don't have emotion. So they have to figure out how to procreate somehow. So they have this thing where every seven years they have to find their mate and procreate and, and then go back about their. Well, this, this, this pilot showed that, that, you know, that that's not necessarily true. Like. Yeah. They get married, they have sex, they right. have it's, relationships. It's it's romantic, but still in a reserved logical, logical way. way. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's they're really very and all all of their I just loved it. I just I just wanted to bring that yeah. scene up and give props to the writers and the actors who who did that was just real good. And and again to uh Ethan Peck for like playing the way he plays Spock. I I thought who's the guy that played um Spock in the Abrams verse? I thought he did pretty good, right? Like Zachary I was Zachary Quinto. Zachary Quinto. Like I was surprised. I only saw him in Heroes before that, and I was Sorry. really surprised that he did such a good job. And I was very happy with that. I was so mm-hmm. you know, yeah, well done. But this guy, like, I like him even better. Like, this is a young Spock that I that I think is mm-hmm. so interesting. He was compelling Discovery season two. Um, and they and they even wrote him in a weird thing with Michael Burnham, and he still was fine. Uh, this, this episode mentions discovery has things that deals with discovery and which is cool, but only just like lightly touches them and mentions them. And yeah, yeah. Like it's just so well done, just so well done. And I know next week I'm like, Oh, now they're going to be tossed back to the past and they're going to be stuck there and going on Mm. psychoanalyzing (laughs) their it's, you know, whatever. So enjoy it while we, while we can. All right, we're running long, so let me wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, you have been listening to The Front Porch, episode 246. Thanks to our friends at LRM Online. Check them out, reviews on all things. Uh, if you want to reach out to us via email, our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and there will be show notes and all that good stuff. If you enjoy this show, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, you leave us a positive review. We always appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.